Hello and welcome to this episode of Talking Indonesia. My name is Gemma Purdy from Monash University and I'm very pleased to join the team as co-host in 2017. In today's podcast, we're talking about the roles of race and religion in the current election campaign for Jakarta's next governor. The incumbent, Governor Basuki Cahaya Purnama, known as Ahok, is seeking re-election and his identity as ethnic Chinese and Christian has become a controversial feature of the campaign. As Dave McRae discussed with guest Nadir Shahosen in their Talking Indonesia podcast in November last year, complaints from the Islamic Defenders Front about comments Ahok made on the campaign trail saw a series of mass protests opposing the governor. Eventually charges being laid and he is currently on trial. Ahok is the first ethnic Chinese governor of Indonesia and one of very few ethnic Chinese Indonesians to have reached positions of high public office since the fall of the new order. But just how much is the controversy around Ahok related to his ethnicity and religion? And how much is it about popular politics in Indonesia today? How has Ahok's own political style played a part? We also discuss what racism looks like almost 20 years after the fall of the new order. My discussion today is with Professor Ariel Herianto, incoming Herb Feith Professor for the Study of Indonesia at Monash University. Ariel is author of many important works on Indonesian cultural and political identity, in particular the situation of Indonesia's ethnic Chinese minority. Welcome, Ariel Harianto, to Talking Indonesia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I wanted to just start by asking you if you think that Ahok would have been elected as governor of Jakarta back in 2012 if he'd run on his own ticket, which was his original plan. I doubt it. I would doubt it very much. Well, Jokowi was his main you know, um, supporter, so to speak. It was Jokowi who and pick him and to work with him. And I think Jokowi needed him very badly, as much as he needed Jokowi. What did he bring to the ticket, Ahok? Hard work, commitment, and freedom from any kind of attachment to the old um, corrupt political parties. So he, he comes with a, a fresh blood and, and energy, yes. Well, that's interesting because what you see is like a freshness and an... Um and this non-alignment to a political party is a positive thing. On the other hand, the fact that uh, Ahok has been aligned to several different political parties might yes. be seen as a negative, but you don't see that. That's That was a necessity, I think. But yes, we all know his support base is not to other political parties. At the moment, a lot of the Asian political parties can always change their directions and uh, alliances depending on needs and circumstances. Yeah. But you've got very few politicians like Ahok and Jokowi who had really strong, dedicated supporters at the uh, grassroots level. So that, that's their main uh, strong base, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. On this question of would he have been elected on his own ticket, where do you put his, his ethnic and religious identities in that assessment? Is, were, were they factors? It's a little bit, yes. It's, uh, there's a little bit of uh, negative um, factors there. But I don't think we should overestimate that. We should not overstate that. Um, it's not going away very soon. Those um, racisms and suspicion on uh, being non-Muslim and so on. But I don't think that that's the major sort of determinant. I think 
to the political processes in Jakarta at the moment. Okay. He is governor and he is standing for re-election. Yes. But we're in this extraordinary situation where he is also facing charges of blasphemy. Yes. In your opinion, what do you see as the motivation behind this? What is, what is the timeline? What's been yeah. leading up to this? I do not differ in my view from others who have discussed this. Basically, it's a combination. It's a, it's a convergence of many factors. Uh, for example, um, there are those who simply want to compete with him politically and mobilize people to challenge his political position, so to speak. There are those whose business interests are under threat and would do anything to get him out of the scene of the, of the game. Then you have people who are truly offended and feel humiliated by his um, lack of diplomacy, his crude and harsh rhetoric, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Then there are also people who are not very comfortable with his ethnic and religious backgrounds. Mm -hmm. But again, one should not overemphasize this, I think. Mm. And I guess a lot of these overlap. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. there's a little element of some yes. of these in, in all these. So yes. if we take your first group, which is the political kind of opponents. Yes. Um, you, you know, people had the opinion perhaps that, that some of his direct political opponents in the current race for governor mm -hmm. may be in fact directly you know, behind some of this. Yes. Well, how would you respond to that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, again, I don't have uh, hardcore evidence to support my view, but my sense of things is, my reading of the controversy is that a lot of people who are in the business sectors, who are the strongest mm -hmm. uh, supporters of all these rallies against Ahok. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you look at what happened with the other uh, candidates for the governorships, they're quite... Um, Look, actually, they appear not to be very involved in this. So they might be happy to see how being attacked, but they don't really uh, go at the front line and you know joining all these rallies. So I don't really, I don't think they have either the benefits for doing that, okay. nor do they have necessarily the resources politically to do so to mm -hmm. sponsor these rallies. Okay. So I don't think it's they who are so behind all this. That's mine. That's my speculations. Yeah. So what kind, like you're talking about developers perhaps? Or? Not necessarily, but all kinds of business people whose uh, interests have been long nurtured and maintained maybe since the time of the Suharto period, mm. you know, or join them or prepare to join them mm -hmm. are now being disrupted by the arrival of Hauk, who are not necessarily an angel either, but he's definitely, you know, uh, do not pull punches to, to no. these business people, really. Uh -huh. There's a lot of people I heard have business um, bankrupted because of this action. Mm -hmm. uh, mm. There are difficulties and they want to fight back. And so far, as, any, as I read it, it's not the ethnicity that would benefit the most. I think they play the religious card religious. more effectively than the ethnicity. Okay. So this is where we are at. It yes. Indeed, his, his, his religious um, yes. identity that is yes. playing out here. Yes. So in an article that you wrote in November, which, yeah. was, which was after the first big rally, wasn't it? Um, but before the second one. That was immediately after he was declared as a, what do you call it, 
suspect. suspect. Um, he talked about how the campaign um, against AHOC is, is really one of insults dressed up as politics. Is that right? Yes. In other words, the police decision to make him uh, try or at least indicted is already a political decision. I think, legally speaking, it's a very weak and it's a very weird sort of decision to speed up that process so quickly. It's unheard of, unprecedented. Mm-hmm. So it must have been a very political decision. Okay. Yeah. And so in that, what about what, what about Jokowi's role in this? And how do you see that and going <coughs> from being you know a colleague, close friend, yes. one would expect to ask? Yes. I don't think Jokowi can afford to lose the popularity that he has enjoyed so far. Uh, from the from the population, so he want to appear that he is he's neutral, that he would not necessarily make an intrusion to help. Um, and I think that's what he tried to prove. I think, and he did it very well. I thought, in fact, I thought by doing by doing this, by letting him Ahok being made suspect, he played another role. He played another game. In other words, he would he would try to appease his. Um, Constituents make Ahok as if you know he's not being tried and processed legally as they demanded, mm-hmm. but maybe let him free after the trials. We never know. Mm-hmm. But at the time, the anger in Jakarta in late December, in late November, and December would have been diffused already, and hopefully people start to rethink about you know what they're doing. This is what he hoped. Yes, we never know what's going to happen. But I think he needed time at that moment. He was so under pressure strongly under pressure mm. that he would need to appear mm. to be sympathetic to all this demand. Neutral. Yeah. Or at least be you know be sympathetic mm. to, to the demands that Ahok be tried. But you're saying that the investigation was conducted in a bazaar. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so he wasn't being neutral, neutral at all. Yeah. yeah. And and he must have known that that was the case. Yes. Yeah. And that Ahok would probably not receive the fairest yes. open of process. Yes. Yeah. But what do you expect? You know, this is what the standard practice of politics in Indonesia, all this decades, all these decades, maybe since independence. So we should not expect more. Yes. I mean, a lot of people have enjoyed so much improvement in political accountability and democratization and freedom of speech in Indonesia that they forget where we came from, how we started, and how recent it was that we saw all that. It's also reason with very weak foundation. Foundations in sustaining that all that progress. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there's a long way to go. It's a long way to go. The fact that Ahok has been there and able to exactly. the way that he's done exactly. is extraordinary. Extraordinary. So we've seen one or two steps forward yeah. after maybe ten steps backward, you know. And now we are stepping back again, maybe two or three steps. We're still moving forward from you know what we was before. What That's my understanding. Another point that you make though is that this is kind of a new mode though, this legal approach that is being taken. Is that right against Ahok as a sitting politician? I wouldn't say new. Okay. I just remind people, this is about politics. This is not about legality. Okay. This is not about religion. The packaging. Exactly. Talk about the packaging. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. In other words. They still do not want to argue strictly at the legal grounds or religious speaking, because even NU with them and other, you know, really highly respected Muslims 
have argued that Ahok did not yeah. uh, do anything wrong. So that's the, they don't want to engage with that sort of the theological sort of argument mm-hmm. or debates. Mm-hmm. Neither they want to, you know, argue or accept criticisms on the legal grounds. So this is for the political convenience yeah. or making him suspect. So, and then, so getting more on this packaging idea, which, which you pursue in this article that you wrote for CNN Indonesia, which was, that's the very weakness of Ahok, perhaps, is, is that what you're saying? That he is not a politician that is packaged up? In... <laughs> his strength is also his weakness, mm. and that is not to use a lot of euphemisms in his political rhetorics and action. I gather around the world, when you are engaged with politics, you do not tell the truth. You always put a rosy picture of anything, and you're doing something else. That's not what Ahok is doing, at least. The question is why people are so welcoming to his choice. Mm-hmm. I think people get get sick of all this, what Indonesian call pepes kosong. It's just empty talks, you know, just bullshitting. Yeah. People get get sick of that. So Ahok for Zhang was a fresh uh, air, you know, for some time. And also people have uh, taken him, uh, taken offense of exactly what he's doing in other in other areas. Like particularly with his fiction, you know. And there have been other commentators who pointed to that group of disenfranchised yes. and poor that he yes. has has moved. That's exactly. As kind of being the root, the base for some of his yes. sentiment. So, in other words, I think Ahok has that that failure. I think, to speak, mm. in convincing people that he's doing all the good things for those people. If he's not wrong, at least he does not communicate very well. Mm. All his supporters do not communicate very well. They argue it's not fiction, it was relocation. But still people are not convinced. Yeah. And neither am I. Right. <laughs> the, the, a lot of this area was still under um, dispute, legally speaking. Yeah. They should wait at least. Yeah. So it's kind of, he wanted to do things fast and quickly. And exactly. And I think... Needed to do that exactly. in order to get re-elected. Also, I think he had um, too much self-confidence. He's doing a lot of things, he gets a lot of applause, he thinks he could not do wrong. I think that's that's what worries me, yeah. really. You know. This is a common characteristic though. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, he gets all the applause all the time, he gets winning all the time. So he has, I think, not at one moment he did not doubt what he what he thought. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's dangerous. Yeah, which is really interesting because before we came in we talked about the trial, which is currently happening, and um, I want to ask your opinion on on you know how you think that's impacted on him because mm-hmm. you've just talk, spoken of this very confident, perhaps too confident yep. politician personality. Yep, yep. That was that was for the fiction of people. Yeah. I think he was quite a shock when he was declared suspect, and that he had to be tried. I think he did not expect that, or at least. He would see, and he might be anticipating this is going to happen, but mm. still, when, when the reality transpired, yeah. I think that would really hit him yeah. really hard. So that, um, would, that would affect his confidence, I'm sure. So the trial itself, we were saying emotionally how it's taken such a toll on him. Yeah. Yeah. He, he seems quite a different person. Yes. Mm. At least up to the point. Mm. Things might change in the seen. It's a performance to a point. Definitely, it's always a performance. Not just his trial. All kind of political trials are performance. Yeah. And this is a political trial. Definitely. Yeah. Right from day one, even before the trial began, when he was declared a suspect, it was a political trial. 
we know it. Mm. It it could not have happened without consultation with the president. I'm sure. So just wheeling back to what got the trial happening, which was this outpouring of public yes um, anger, I guess it was yes. to a point. Yes. Where do you think that comes from? Well, Why is that happening right now in Indonesia? Well, as I said, you know, it's, it's a combination of many things. But if you try to press it and sum it up in a very brief way, I think it comes to two factors um, that complement each other. One is, once again, Ahok's uh, rapid rise to power, his overconfidence, I'd say, knowing no limit, so to speak, at that point. Mm. On the other hand, the rise of the politicization of Islam that began from the 1990s. So the two just clash, I think. Mm-hmm. Around this particular figure at yes. this moment in time. Yes. Yes, it's not just about him, but it's also partly responsible for that, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, Jokowi's appearance at that second demonstration on the 4th of December, yes. alongside yep. the I-leader, yep. what do you mean? I was in that? Jakarta back then. I, was, I took a lot of pictures from a distance, actually. I could, I need a distance to take all that huge sort of, yeah. Yeah. So, what, did, what was the vibe? What was the feeling, the mood? It was overwhelming. It was overwhelming, definitely. It's hard to say. It's hard to put into words. It's so many things going on in my head, really. Men and women, young yes. people, all of a kind. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and with what purpose did they go? Do you think? As I said, there are different kinds. Some people were offended uh, because they felt they believed that this is an enemy of Islam. Has offended Islam. Mm-hmm. But later on, I read a lot of uh, reports saying that many of those people, when asked what exactly did Ahok say or do, they have no idea, or they have no clear idea. So that's interesting. Yeah, interestingly, if you remember, soon after that, there was a pull of his approval, and it went up. So, not, not long after that. Yeah, so, what do we make of that? Well, people su- suggested that people realized, after all, that he was not guilty. He was made, so how do you call it, a victim of, of politicians. So we are in this incredible, unprecedented position where the sitting governor who's going his campaign to continue his yes. governorship is facing trial. Yes. What do you know about the legal consequences or will the consequences for his candidature, either way, if he's guilty, not guilty, what, what, what will happen? How will that play out? That's interesting. Um, this will not be mid-final, I think, for at least one or two years, maybe two years. By that time, it's already clear whether he's winning or not. So if he wins the election, that might affect the final decision. Okay? So my, my speculation, or at least my early speculation was he's going to be made, be made guilty at this level. Then his team would appeal. Then you know the process will go on until maybe two years down the road. By that time, it was already clear whether he's willing. If he's powerful and he's winning, they can change the game. Make it go away. Yes. It's possible. I think this is what I think this is what Jokowi was hoping. So we we appease these people, but we'll get you free. Don't worry. In time. So that's what I think. My thing. But by that time, Jokowi is also going to be reelected. So this is. Mm. I think Marcus uh, Misner has a very good point in his interview somewhere else. Mm-hmm. If he is made guilty at this first level of trial, that would not be beneficial. That would provoke more anger. So it's Jokowi's. Benefit and, and out if he's made guilty at this point. 
you need you need more time. Yeah. And and remember, you asked me that question about earlier about um, what I thought about the the gathering. You know, it's again, it's, it's many things that is happening. But one of the things that struck me is the question of resources and cost. Whoever is behind this cannot do it every month, for several months, for several years. <laughs> There's a limit to that. At the same time, at this point of time, as we talk, the police have made it public. They are now investigating the flow of funding for that for that release. It's that interesting. This is a show. It's a politics. Okay, so as long as Ahok holds on in there and gets through this very painful yeah. process that he's undergoing, and and keep up the spirit of his supporters, yeah. move on with you know the, yeah. with the campaign and so on. This yeah. is what they all trying to do. And think that this is a bit of a strategy on Jokowi's part. And now, yeah. and the supporters as well, yes, yeah, uh, all of that people. Yeah. They pretended nothing's going to happen, you know, with this dog. <laughs> just keeping on. Yes. Yeah. Going on current polls, his popularity was going back up, wasn't it? He's still at the top. So it's still a tightly run race. And, um, in, you know, as we are saying, these issues are going to become more intense as they get mm-hmm. towards the finishing line. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just ask again, though, about the... the his ethnicity as yeah. an issue. Yes. In the context of you know your your broader work on this, where you talk about um, Indonesia's ethnic Chinese as a minority under erasure during yes. the New Order period, but yes. I want to ask you about it. You know how this thesis sits today in contemporary Indonesia. Do you think that um, this is still relevant? A lot has changed, definitely. In the past, it was a central, highly unified government, at least in the first half of the New Order's uh, year, that they constructed Chinese at the same time, they erased it. <laughs> this is not what we witness now. Mm-hmm. What we've seen now is that racism is still running, um, simmering sometimes, you know, uh, but it's no longer. Um, Dominance, to speak. In fact, what we've seen now is a lot of middle class people and not so strongly middle class, you know, class and others, try to go to public saying that they do not endorse racisms, that I'm not racist. Yeah. So you. The counter rally, for example. Exactly. The tolerance rally. And this is not just now, it happened since 1998, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Since after 1998, mm-hmm. we've seen for the first time, a strong statement from the middle class who are not Chinese mm-hmm. that we condemn that, that violence, we not like them, we feel ashamed, and we not resist. And this continues for now. Yeah. Just like what you've seen in America, where, you know, um, uh, black is beautiful, I, I have black friends, you know, yeah. saying I'm, I'm not racist. Yeah. <laughs> there are always non-racist people in the past, but now is the point when a lot of middle class people in Indonesia feel the need to make it public, to state that publicly, you know. We can't let it happen. Mm. But this is, it needs to be stated again and again. Exactly. Because it can last. Yes. At the same time, racism will not go away, you know, completely. Not just in Indonesia, but everywhere. Yeah. So, for me, racism is kind of bacteria in the air. You breathe with it. All, you can't control it, you know. But bacteria in the air doesn't kill you. It's different during the new order when you mean racism as part of your institutional policy, which is different. That can kill you. Mm-hmm. But racism in private spheres, 
you know, people hate Arabs, hate Chinese, hate Japanese. It's everywhere. You can't control it. As long as, you know, it's just stay that way, it will not kill you. So I can tolerate that. <laughs> you still have here and there. And it's everywhere around the world, I think. What we not tolerate is that when racism was made a policy, when it's made or embedded in a particular, you know, state policy or institutional policy, mm-hmm. that would be different. So you don't think that in Indonesia there's, there's been a hangover from There's there. That's there, yes. Yeah. There's there. But even there is something new. Mm-hmm. So what is new is now is this counter sort of narrative about racism. Yeah, which is a bit late. Don't think. I mean, given that 1998 is now, you know, almost 20 years ago. Yes, yes, it's yes, yes. But it's, it's never too late to begin with. Yeah. If you ask why it is so late, I think partly because of the economic improvement with a lot of Indonesian who are not Chinese, I think. I think it has to do with that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, the rationale for, for anti Chinese was just. They would feel offended if you tell them that they're inferior than the Chinese economically. <laughs> because they are extremely rich, they go international, you know, study and business and they go all the way. Yeah. Yeah, I agree that that's so why yes. It's very much linked to yes. Yes. what we've seen historically. You've been in Indonesia, you yourself you're ethnic Chinese, you're not feeling that there's that level of hostility no. or any of that. In fact, what I've seen is the opposite. Now you've seen time and again uh, banners or placards of yeah. anti-Chinese statement or Chinese statement at the release against Ahok. Here and there on social media you've seen racist statements. This is, I think, is an expression of frustration among these racists. In the past, you don't need those banners. You just attack them. You kill them, you rape them. There was no banners necessary. There's no warning. Oh, you have all these things. Is I think the frustration. Okay. <laughs> that they can't do as they used to. You, you have this feeling, but again, when I was in Bandung on the, the time of these mass demonstrations, I was on a train and I spoke yeah. to uh, his professor in dentistry at one part, just met, met him on the train, ethnic Chinese. And he told me he was very concerned. Yes. I, I've got that feeling Yes, here. I can understand. I can sympathize with that concern. Yeah. Because we can, you know, Analyze. It's about the, the, the trauma, remember. Exactly, exactly. I mean, they learn that, you know. Uh, we can have a very clever discussion right here, but this, we are in comfortable situations. It's different from them. Yeah? And again, micro level, low level, every form of racism, racism is still going on there. Yeah. But what distinguishes today's racism from the past was in the past, it was sponsored by the state mm-hmm. on a massive scale. Mm-hmm. Now it's up to individuals, you know. And some of these other groups, like FBI, yes. Yes. they also sponsor yes. that kind yes. of activity. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you're sensing there's this shift. What about you write about culture, media? How do you see any shift? If, well, perhaps there haven't been any, but in representations of Chinese in popular culture, for example, that might reflect what, you, you know, what you've just said about as far as I can observe, a lot of these uh, people in social media or media in general, I think, uh, are people of a new generation who did not go through this kind of racist new order culture. Uh, and therefore, they have a very sort of relaxed 
uh, attitudes and social engagement with any people of any race and ethnicities, not just Indonesia, but you know, overseas. They are much more relaxed. Their concern is something else, you know, about job security, about, about other things. Mm-hmm. Are they a strongly nationalist generation, do you think? Like, do they have a really connection to Pachacila, to... My, my feeling is nationalism has been a problem for Indonesia for too long. I think I should call it not national, but hyper-nationalism is a pathology in our culture. Uh, and it was made worse during the military dictatorships, definitely. Look at what happened recently with the suspension with Australian military cooperation. But if you look at the younger generations, it has eased rather thing, I'd say. Not the same level of indoctrination. Not the same level, but still very strong. I would, I would, I look forward to seeing the much more international, much more cosmopolitan than they are now. But I think they need more time. Even though they're so connected globally. They need connected globally. They're still very patriotic. In comparisons to young people of that age yeah. in Australia, in Singapore, maybe not in Thailand or Malaysia, but in in some places that you know I've seen much more relaxed about that. Yeah. Well, so where is it still coming through the education system? It's everywhere. Education system. Parents who are old and are, you know, outdated in their views, films. I can't believe how nationalistic the, our films are, in the commercial films are, and the novels. Mm-hmm. And so it's not political leadership. So no, much. they don't care about politics. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So the the cultural pro- product is still of the old exactly. School. It continued to soft regenerate. Yeah. Yeah, and so in that. Um, is there a representation of Indonesian or the nation as being multi-racial and there are, there are attempts there are expression of interest and there are promotion of that kind but they are so weak they are tiny they are at the margin yeah, yeah. just say something a little bit about you can look into your crystal ball maybe and tell me so I think you've already answered the question that you think that potentially APOP can win this election is that, is that right? yes Yes. And regardless of the results of this ongoing trial yes. and how it plays out. Yes, if only because, for the wrong reasons, if only because we would have good candidates, alternative good candidates. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to that day when you have really, really good candidates that I can support with full dedication to challenge out. But for now, I have to wait. I don't blame the system. Because you have Jokowi in our, who are against all odds, and the system, and still can survive. Mm-hmm. We need more people of this kind, mm-hmm. in competition with each other, for different ideologies, for different kind of people. Yeah. I think that's a nice way to conclude. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. That was Professor Ariel Herianto, incoming Herb Feith Professor for the Study of Indonesia at Monash University. Ariel is author of many books, including his recent publications, Identity and Pleasure, the politics of Indonesian screen culture, and also state terrorism and political identity in Indonesia, fatally belonging. Ariel is also a regular commentator in the media, including CNN Indonesia. Talking Indonesia will return on the 16th of February with our new co-host, Charlotte Setiadi Dunn. Remember, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast archive at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog, or subscribe via iTunes, or find us via your favourite podcasting app. Until next time, thanks for your company.